Hi, I'm Mike Posnanski, an associate professor at the Naval War College, in conversation with Rory Cormack, professor of international relations at the University of Nottingham. I should note any views expressed today are my own and don't represent those of the Naval War College, Navy, or DOD. So with that, really excited to discuss Rory's interesting new book, How to Stage a Coup, and 10 Other Lessons from the Worlds of Secret Statecraft. It's an absolute must read for understanding the wide range of tools states pursue in the realm of, of covert statecraft that has immense lessons for cyber operations, the Russia invasion of Ukraine and more. Let's get started. Rory, one of the key themes in the book is that while technology has changed covert action in some ways, the fundamentals are the same. But you do acknowledge that the internet, big data, new media adds interesting wrinkles. So can you expand a bit on that for listeners, particularly as it relates to the threat of subversion facing democracies? Yeah, well, I'm I'm a historian by training, so the my natural inclination is to look for continuity. And I think there is a lot of continuity here. The fundamental aims of what states are trying to do is not new. I mean, states have been influencing, subverting, uh, sponsoring rebels for literally centuries. Queen Elizabeth I was talking about covert means to sponsor uh, rebels in the Low Countries back in the 16th century. Um, in the Cold War, we see states using propaganda to uh, subvert, to divide, to find schisms in society, to find points of disagreement, whether that is religion, um, economics, whether it's immigration, find those points and then smash them wide open to increase polarization. Now, that's exactly the same as we're seeing today. We're seeing hostile state actors work out what our vulnerabilities are, where our societal schisms are, and then using propaganda to smash them open, to exploit those tensions. And that is a big strand of continuity. But of course, there is, there is change. And I think there's been three uh, key areas where uh, technology has changed things. The first is the speed and the industrial scale of some of this activity. You know, back in the Cold War, it would take literally months to write a forgery, where those doing it would be trying to hunt down the right brand of staples to ensure that um, the deniability stands up, um, hunt down the right type of paper to withstand uh, forensic analysis. Um, whereas these days, you know, it's, it's an industrialized speed and scale. We've seen Russia, we've seen China using troll farms, uh, inauthentic networks and um, and spamming and seeing what sticks, essentially. The second big change, I think, is the use of big data to have much more individualized targeting. Back in the back in the old days, if you like, um, it was about, you know, you, you would put a new, an article in a newspaper, which would go to a, a whole country almost. Um, and you'd hope that there would be people for whom it would resonate, with whom it would resonate. These days, you know, you can use all the data from the internet um, and start to tailor that message to really exploit individual hopes, dreams, and, and fears. And I think the third area of change is the, the kind of fragmentation of multimedia platforms. Um, it's led to, it's much more difficult to control narratives now. So instead of trying to build up or a particular narrative and get it to, to take hold, um, I think states are just more interested in, in sowing confusion. Instead of building up your own, your own narrative, it's easier almost to 
just try and prevent the other side from gaining uh, traction. And we see that, I think, with Russia. We see it with, with, with China over, over COVID. It's about, it's about sowing doubts, sowing confusion, rather than necessarily saying, you know, we're going to make everyone believe in, in Putin's line or, or whatever. So it's definitely a mixture of, of continuity and change, I think. Rory, let me let me ask you a quick question um, before we run out of time here. So American covert action, uh, you note in the book, is in some ways distinct from how other countries do it. Russia, China, Israel, Britain, France, and so forth. Can you just pick one of those countries, maybe Russia or China, in our last minute here and explain how it differs from the way the United States practices covert action? Well, the thing that really struck me was how many states do this. We associate it with the CIA from the Cold War. We associate it with the Russians from the Cold War and the Russians now, when actually it's a worldwide practice. You know, the book covers America, France, UK, Israel, Pakistan, India, um, Iran, China, and they all have different uh, approaches. So um, let's take uh, Russia, for example, using you know, blurring lines between war and peace, um, a whole of society approach. Don't have these kind of silos that we might see in, in the States, for example. China is the same. A uh, whole of society approach, lots of of coercion of diaspora to take part in, in front influence organizations. Um, UK it, t- traditionally been much more about the political action rather than the paramilitary. France, by contrast, has been a bit more muscular in its history. Lots of states do this. Yeah, Rory, I, I think that's pretty key because if you think about disinformation with China um, around COVID or Russia's invasion of Ukraine, some of these nuances and differences are really important. So thanks for chatting with me. Go out and read How to Stage a Coup if you haven't gotten your hands on it and look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Mike.